Hi everybody, it's Rod Talks with Rod Lyman. So I just got back from South Dakota. Yeah, it was not a happy trip. It was kind of a sad trip actually. Not kind of, it really was a sad trip. I had to bury my mother. And that's very sad. My mother and I had our ups and downs, but I still loved my mom so much. She was a wonderful lady. She had beautiful gifts herself and that, but she sometimes was a little harsh, not just on herself, but her children also. It was kind of a emotional roller coaster while we were there, and it seemed to have some effect on me and on how I saw things and how I felt about things. Now, mind you, I work at a Reiki Academy. I do Reiki every day. I work with people every day. I do structural work on people, which is energy chiropractic work, that is. I work with people constantly. So I'm around spiritual people all the time. And this is kind of odd to be around a group of people that really have no idea what I do. They range from very hardcore Christians to Christians to um, different types of religions and belief systems and idealisms. A lot of them have their own ideas of, you know, what is right and what is wrong. Uh, they also have their own philosophies and feelings on what should happen in this world and what needs to happen in this world. I don't always agree with that. I'm an omnist. I believe that there is a coexistence of all religions and all belief systems. I believe that uh, we have a good goodness and we all are looking for the same thing, love and, and being loved. And it's fascinating when you start listening to these people, and, and I say these people, but they're my family. And you start listening to their thoughts and their ideas and everything else. You start realizing that not everybody thinks alike. You start seeing that not everybody is like yourself. And and everybody has perceptions and perceptions of different things in their life. One of my perceptions is, you know, I always grew up thinking, you know, that um, we have to be kind to all living things and everything else. I stick to that. I, I believe in that. But we also have to value what other people think and feel. You know, while I was there, somebody had brought up the th fact that, hey, you know, um, I stick up for myself. I do this. I do that. Blah, blah, blah. For my own uh, well-being. Well, that's all good and fine. That, And they're not even related to me. But that's what they were telling me is that they have to have their own say in things. No matter what the cost of what other people feel. Now, to a certain extent, I agree with her. You know, she is not a relative. She is a, a, have been friends of the family forever, and she came, comes across as somebody that, you know, is very strong in their ways. And, you know, but she was not, she's not married to anybody that's part of the family or anything. She just was been part of the family. And she is very strong. She's very strong about what her convictions are and her ideas are and everything else and that. And she came up to me during the funeral. 
and she tells me, she says, you know, Rod, 10 years ago, you upset me very bad. And so I haven't talked to you because 10 years you, you upset me and I never allow that again. I won't allow anybody to, to get angry with me. And I looked at her and I says, that was 10 years ago. She goes, yes. I says, we're different people. We're all different people. Why would you even bring that up? She says, because I have to say this because it's part of my thing to let go and, and, and uh, to not be hanging on to things and not to be hold on to things. I looked at her and I says, you held on to it for 10 years. And you're finally telling me that back then I said something to you that really bothered you. I said, do you remember what I said to you? And she said, yes, I could tell you word for word what you said to me. I was a little shocked and I was actually kind of hell bent on that thinking to myself, she's waited 10 years to tell me that she's angry with me, that I said something 10 years ago that upset her. Now that's, that's not in any way, shape or form how this works. Okay. I am not the same person. I don't even remember saying that. I have no idea the contents of where, what I was doing or who I was or whatever there. I don't know what she's talking about, but it did upset her. So I apologized to her. I said, I'm sorry that it upset you back then. I'm sorry I rented space in your head for 10 years. She goes, well, that's why I haven't talked to you for 10 years. And I looked at her and I says, I barely talked to any of my family in 20 years. I just thought it was just the norm around here. This is how family and friends act in South Dakota, I said to her. And she says, well, I don't believe that. She says, you have to, you have to be in close contact. I said, no, I haven't. This is the closest I've gotten to my family in years. It was at mom's funeral. This is the time of reflection. It's time to forgiveness and time for just to come together. Now, it wasn't all fun and games at the funeral at all. It was an emotional roller coaster of people not wanting things, but people wanting things, people not sure what they can do. There's no trust in that. My family holds so many secrets, it's unbelievable. My family believes that we should not share what's going on in our lives with each other. That's what my family believes. But my all, also my family believes in the art of prayer, which is interesting. If you look at me and say, hey, Rod, I don't really believe in what you do or what you, what you think or anything else than that, but I'm not going to tell you what's in my life. I'm not going to tell you that my husband went through this horrible disease. I'm not going to tell you that my husband did this or my wife did this or whatever and that nobody shares anything in my family how can we help each other if we don't share things how can we be there for each other if we don't share things many years ago i just stopped wishing my brothers and sisters happy birthday i stopped calling them i stopped doing everything and as soon as i stopped sharing myself with them they stopped sharing their self with me so now I start to look at it as my reflection of myself. It's like, did I do this? No, it's always been like this. As a little kids of that, we had secrets. Everything was a secret. Don't tell this. Don't show this. Don't be this. People are going to think of you as being strange or weird. 
You know what? People think I'm strange weird anyway. It's okay. I have some wonderful abilities. I have some great gifts, and so does my family. And sometimes I wish I would look at them and say, Oh my goodness, do you not see the gifts you have? Do you not see who you truly are? But obviously, my family just has a hard time with themselves in this action anyway. So I went back. Let's, let's go back a couple of days and a couple, maybe even a couple of months. And then I went back to see my mother in South Dakota before she passed away. And I told my mother how much I loved her and everything else in that. And my mother, she had died, actually. She had died um, and came back. And she had actually lost all consciousness and what she happened. And I, I was on my way to see her. And I found out that she had passed away. Well, she wanted to get all ready after she, after she came back. And she wanted to make sure she was looked okay and everything else for everybody that was going to come and visit her. And that after she had came back, she was actually had a worry about how she wanted to be presented to people. My beautiful sister-in-law, she took care of my mom very well. She cut her hair. She tripped her toenails. And then she actually told me a story about how she cut one of my mom's toenails. And it flew out because it was so thick and, and heavy duty. It flew out and hit her in the leg and stabbed her and drew blood. I laughed, of course, because I thought that was really funny. And said, how the heck can somebody's toenails be that bad? But my mom hadn't been taking care of herself. When she moved in with my brother and sister-in-law and that they went through and took care for that woman so much and so well. And it was an honor to see my brother and sister-in-law take care of my mom that much. And I hope I get just an ounce of that when I'm ready to pass away for my children. I'm sure I will. My kids are beautiful. I love my kids through and through and that. But this is something that you look at and go... Am I going to be treated this way also or not? I don't know, but I digress. I went into the room when I got there, and this is when my first trip there and when I found out my mom was passing away. And my mother says, I died, you know. I said, I know, Mom. I heard. I said, what did you see? And my mom says, I saw everything. I said, what do you mean you saw everything? My mother says, I saw everything. And I started thinking to myself, I shared with my mother years ago when I died of my heart attack and I was brought back. I had this near-death experience and everything else. And I saw myself as an eyeball floating through earth, seeing everything. And I thought, how fascinating was this, that my mother said the exact same thing. She saw everything. She could see everything. I said, you weren't in pain, were you? She says, no, it's the best I ever felt. She says, I actually welcome death now. And I told her, I says, it took me a long time not to be scared of dying. But now I'm not. I have no fear that I'm going to die. I have no fear that whatever I do is, is going to be okay. I have no fear. I'm okay. I know I can survive that. I can survive anything. We had a long conversation about death and living and everything else and that. And, and I asked my mom, I says, do you want to live? She says, not in pain. I says, well, I'm sure my brother and sister-in-law will do everything they can to make sure you're not in pain. And they did. 
they did everything they could. They were so beautiful. They they helped mom so much. They uh, bathed her and took care of her and everything else and made sure she had enough medicine. Now, my sister-in-law and brother are both in the healthcare field. They know what medicine does and they know how to use the medicine and they know how and what to do with the medicine. So my my beautiful brother and sister-in-law took care of my mom in many different ways and that, but my mom was comfortable too. So after we left and went back to Arizona here from South Dakota, my mom had a rally point, which, you know, that's also a scary point. My mom rallied. She was up walking around. She, she would go outside and everything else. She had this beautiful rally. And you know when a person rallies that they're coming to their end. But I was very hopeful that mom was not going to come to her end. I was hopeful that my mom would make it through this and that my mom would be okay. But she, she passed away. The day she passed away, I could feel it. I knew it. I didn't want to answer my phone. My sister called, my brother called, and I did not want to answer my phone because I knew what the answer was. I already knew what was happening. So I was like, you know what, I... I I'm just going to call, talk to him. I already know this. I had a feeling that my mom has gone already and everything else. But I felt that feeling of disconnection. The feeling of disconnection is the weirdest thing. It means that you disconnected a cord from yourself that you've been attached to for many years. Yes, this year I turned 60 years old. So yes, I've been attached to my mother by a cable for over six for 60 years now I mean over 59 years and that cable was severed now the first time that cable ever was severed with me was with my grandma Adams I lay in bed with her as she's dying and she passed away while I'm snuggled up next to her and I felt her leave I saw her spirit set up and I saw her pull her cord and I saw her leave I'm just a little boy. I didn't know how to even react to that. I It's actually scared me to know that my mother and my grandma were actually attached to me that, that much. Because it makes me wonder now, when I pass away, am I going to be that attached to somebody? Am I going to hurt somebody as much as that hurt me? Go back to my grandma Adams who passed away in, in, my, in the bed with me laying next to her, which was in the hospital. Everybody came in and kicked me out, pulled me out of the bed and everything else, said, you got to leave the room. I had no idea what I just experienced. I had no idea what had just happened to me. I had no idea that my grandma was gone. You know, after all these years, probably it's been 50, 50, almost 50 years ago, my grandma did passed away, and I still feel that. And ever since then, I have watched many people pass away. I've held hands of many people that have passed away. I've watched many people pass away. I've watched every people, as they pass away, they set up, pull a cord, and leave. Now, this cord I'm talking about is that golden cord that's between the shoulder blades of your back, which is attached to you so you'd never lose your body until it's time. Well, I watched a lot of people do that. This time, I though, I didn't get to see my mom do that. I didn't get to f see what happened. But I felt it. 
I felt very strongly. I felt, I felt this intense tug at my heart, and and I knew that there was a broken heart in there. That my mom is gone. I will never see my mother again. I just kind of shoved that away, and I just kind of put it back into my my heart. And I was like, you know what? I got things to do. I got places to go and people to see. So, well, a little side story is that getting prepared to go back to South Dakota because I don't fly. And you guys probably heard that in one of my other podcasts is that I'm claustrophobic and can't get an airplane. So we're getting ready, getting the car ready to go back to South Dakota and that, and we get sideswiped. We get T-boned. Total out my vehicle. So I had to go get another vehicle. I had to get and find a vehicle that would get me back to South Dakota that I could afford. God prevailed. God showed me the way. God showed me who to talk to and where to go. And it was so interesting that, yes, God, source, higher self, however you want to describe it, that I had an outside energy that was showing me where to go. I found a vehicle. I found what I needed and everything else, and we were off the very next day. This vehicle is a hybrid. It's half gas, half electricity, and usually cost us cost us in our old Honda was seventy dollars to fill up the tank of gas. You know, since gas has gone up so much, we got to South Dakota on seventy five dollars worth gas for this high on this hybrid. That alone is a miracle, and it's amazing. I love it. Got almost sixty miles a gallon. I was just it's so excited about that. But that's just a side note. My daughter, my beautiful daughter, who just graduated from uh, nurse practitioner school and that she's now a nurse practitioner. I'm so proud of her, this girl. She's amazing. She came with us. We stayed in the motel the first night on our way to South Dakota. I couldn't sleep. I kept seeing the shadow on the wall. It kept floating around, floating around and that. And finally I said, is that you, Mom? In my head. And I heard, yes. I said, you okay, Mom? She says, yes. I said, do you have any messages for me? She says, yes. She goes, Rod, be strong. Of course, my first intention is being strong. Okay, I'll be strong. Yeah, I can be strong for my family. I'll be there for my family. I, you know, I'll be do whatever I can for my family. I, I'll stick up for my family. I'm there for my family. I'll be strong. But that's not what she meant. My mother did not mean to be strong in any action that I had to be strong to be who I am. It did not mean that. It did not mean that I had to protect my family and be there for my family and be strong for them. It meant be strong and don't go into hiding. There's been so many deaths and I've had so many losses in my life and that and a lot of times I just go in my bedroom and meditate and I stay in my bedroom for a long time. I don't like to talk to people. I don't like people sometimes. I just don't like being around people sometimes. I love souls. I love people's souls, but I don't like people. So I got what mom said. It's like I had to be there. I had to go do this thing and everything else. And And I had trials and tribulations where I almost packed the car up and drove back home because I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be part of this. I didn't want any of this. I wanted to go bury my mother. I wanted to tell my mother how much I love her, and I wanted to come home. I didn't need any side notes or side sadness and side this and side that. I, I, I'm tired of that. But I was strong enough to stay. 
I was strong enough to be there for people and to listen to people and, and just know. Just know that mom was still in my heart. And that when she said, be strong, it had nothing to do with being strong for anybody but myself. I have this beautiful children, Desiree, who's a nurse practitioner, Zach Lyman, who is a comedian and a marketer. She, he's just wonderful. And I have Kim, my oldest daughter, who I miss and love dearly. She lives in Minnesota, and she was not able to make it to the funeral. She was pregnant, and she's got four weeks left, and it's been quite a trip for her. So I understand that. So I didn't get to see my daughter or my grandbabies. But it's important to know that I have these wonderful people in my life. I have a girlfriend who's this wonderful lady who made it possible to, to get back to see my mother and has made it possible for me to do a lot of things by her caring and understanding and just being there. I'm not an easy person to live with, that's for sure. But when I had somebody, have somebody like her in my life, it's possible. It is so possible. So we get to the funeral. We have a wake on a Friday. During this wake, I walk up to see my mother. I had such a hard time, I almost passed out looking at her. The, the room started spinning. It looked like she was just going to set up and start talking to me. I mean, she looked so peaceful, but yet she looked like she was still alive. She looked like she had energy around her and in her and that, but I know her soul wasn't there. I couldn't feel it. I couldn't feel anything, but I knew she was there. But then again, I knew her soul and spirit was there too, and I could feel it. I I, I looked at mom, and I just couldn't believe it. I, I was looking at her going, She's just going to get up and say hi to me. She's going to get up and give me a hug. She's going to tell me, son, I love you. Didn't happen. I'm sitting there in my mind, going through all these things, looking at my mother, almost feeling like I'm going to pass out because I can't see the difference between reality and physicality and spirituality. I didn't know if I was seeing mom spiritually or physically. I couldn't feel her. I couldn't see her, but I could feel a presence, but I didn't know if it was her. I'm sitting there trying to grasp my energy and trying to pull it forward and everything else. And that next thing I know, somebody's standing next to me, talking to me. You know, that commercial where everybody is, gets, makes fun of it, that, hey, I just want to check on you to see if you need uh, your extended warranty on your car. Well, that's what it felt like. You'd never bother somebody while they're up grieving. You never bother somebody while they're at the casket and, and, and wanting to talk to their mother and that. What was this person doing anyway? This person just wanted to make sure that they knew I, that they were there, that I would come over and say hi to them, that they were, they were worried that I wouldn't tell them hi. Can I be mad at that? No, I can't. I can't be upset about this. I'm not upset about anything. I don't get upset. I really don't. I really don't get upset, but it felt strange. And I'm sure the person that was trying to get my attention knew that I was feeling strange, and and this person looked at me, going, "Oh, um, I'll be right over there if you if you want to talk." 
No, I don't want to talk. No, I don't want to see anybody. No, I don't want to do anything. I want to run. And I kept hearing the voice in my head say, be strong, Rod. Be strong. Not strong for anybody else in the room. Not strong for my family. Not strong, but strong for me. Strong for me that I don't just go run off and, and, and hide in my spiritual world where I like to hide. I do. I hide in my spiritual world all the time. I love hiding in my spiritual world. When you surround yourself with just spiritual people, it's a different world. And I do, and I hide myself there, and I do just hang out in my spiritual world. I have spiritual friends. I have spiritual family. I have spiritual people, and those are the people I hang out with. I'm not used to this real world people and everything else or the people that's out there. I, I like my spiritual people. I like the same, you know, thinking and everything else. Then, Mom knew that I was going to have a hard time with this. Mom knew that I was going to look at this as a challenge, but yet I don't want to be part of this. She knew that. She knows I don't like that. Probably the only person in this world in a long time that uh, that would understand that I don't like stuff like that. I don't like to be in crowds. I don't like to. I like to do my thing and go away. I channel a lot. So when I'm channeling, I'm not in this physical world. And I like to channel. I like to keep channeling. When I'm doing a healing on somebody, it's a channeling. I could do this all day long. I, I do do it all day long. I could do Every day of the week, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy everything I do. I would rather be doing this, doing what I do best, than anything else in the world. And that's really strange to know that. I don't plan on retiring. I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. I don't plan on just going away. I plan on doing this for a very long time. Do I have to have people in my life that don't understand me? No. No, that's my choice. That's that's my choice. I can choose what I want in this world. I can choose what I want to do with what I want to do in this world. My perceptions have changed, though. My perception of people has changed since the funeral. My mother was... Sort of social. She wasn't always social, but she was sort of social. Um, she liked people. And she's been alone for quite a while after my stepdad passed away. And then her brother that always hung out with her passed away. So she was pretty much alone. And she didn't like that. She liked to be around people. And I'm totally opposite. Mom knew, knows that. Mom still knows that. I was putting together this podcast and... I was thinking to myself, what are some of the things that my mom taught me growing up? And I started thinking, you know, there's a lot of things that mom would plant little seeds in my head about who I am and where I'm at. And, but yet she was my worst enemy, but yet she was my best friend growing up. And that's kind of weird to say that because there's things like she didn't seem like she cared about much. That I, what I did, but yet she let me do a lot of things. I'd be, I'd leave the house and I'd go hiking through the forest. I'd go hiking through the backwoods. I'd go set in the cemetery. I did a lot of things as a child that 
I've never let my kids back then do now. I still wouldn't let people do that if, if I knew them. Because it's kind of dangerous to be out in the middle of nowhere and be around animals and that, wild animals. I mean, I've been chased by well, a pack of dogs. I've been chased by a pack of wolves. I've been chased by many different animals. I mean, I remember scaring a buck up one time in my one of my walks, and this buck, deer buck, chased me. <laughs> it reared up and it was going to attack me, and I ran, and I, I ran into brush and everything else just to get away from this. You know, so there's a lot of things that I put myself in danger for, but I needed to experience and experience life. When I experienced that life and I learned who I really truly was and I learned that I can live um, by myself and I'm okay with my own being. I knew then that there was something more than life than just this. You know, when I died, and I'm going back and jumping back and forth, but when I died, my grandpa was there. He was the first person I saw when I died. Now, people say they see beans, they see different things and everything else, but it was my grandfather I saw when I passed away. And I had lost my father, I have lost friends and relatives and everything else, but it was my grandfather. And the reason my grandfather was there is because my grandfather was always there. I was not an easy kid to live with. I never was. I mean, I asked a lot of questions. I, I did a lot of things. I did things to see if somebody says, don't touch that, I would touch it. Somebody says, don't eat that, I would eat it. Anytime somebody said something, I, it was a challenge to me that I would have to be challenged to do it. And my grandfather challenged me all the time. And he knew that I would take that challenge. But I learned from my challenges. Just like in life right now, as we learn from everything we do. And if we don't learn these lessons, we're not going to go anywhere. I remember my grandfather telling me, he says, don't touch that electric fence. And I said, why? And he says, because it will give you shock. And then he looks at me and he says, go ahead, touch the electric fence. And that... And I pondered, I thought, and the thought in my head is like, well, he told me not to do it. Now I want to do it. But then he says, go ahead and do it. And I was confused. So I don't know what happened to me, but I just walked over there and grabbed the, the electric fence. I have no idea why I did it. And it was one of the worst shocks I've ever had in my whole entire life. And my grandpa would laugh at me. He's like, I know, Rod, when I tell you not to do something, you want to do it. I always did. I mean, that was me. I, to this day, somebody tells me that's not good for you. Don't eat it. I will eat twice as much because that's who I am. Yes, I know. It's just, it's a, it's a human trait that I, I dislike, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm here to experience this trait, human trait. But my grandfather, he would test me in many ways. And, and one day, my grandfather was checking to make sure that every spark plug in his car was working. Now, my grandfather could take a shock like you wouldn't believe. And he'd take a jolt like you wouldn't believe. And so what my grandfather would do was he'd pull the caps off the, the uh, spark plugs and get a jolt. Oh, that one's working. Get another jolt. That was working. I was like, Grandpa, what are you doing? He says, come here. I said, well, what are you doing? He says, I'm checking. And my grandpa held his hand out. And I grabbed my grandpa's hand, and he checked one of the spark plugs, and it fired at that time. 
I could not let go of my grandpa's hand, but I went down like a rock. And my grandpa let go, finally let go of the, the wire. And it was an amazing, unbelievable shock. And I can't believe we're still alive. <laughs> it was so powerful. It was a very powerful shock. But my grandpa knew I learned by lessons and I learned by learning things and experience things. And I teach other people how to experience that. And my grandfather knew that my grandfather knew right then and there that this is how he had to teach me is through experience. Well, if my mom couldn't handle me or my dad couldn't handle me, my grandparents lived a block away and they'd send me over to their grandparents. And of course, my grandfather would always have a talk with me. We'd always go out to the orchard and we'd either pull some weeds or we'd trim some trees or whatever else or pick, pick fruit. And he would just slowly talk to me. He's like, well, why did you do what you did? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? I mean, I don't know why I did that. We, we were remodeling the house and... I mean, I would forget that there was fresh paint on the wall and lean up against the wall. I'd forget that there was fresh coat of uh, lacquer on the on the floor, and I'd walk on it. I mean, I just did that. My mind, I was always somewhere else, and I was in another world at all times. And one of the things I realized is that when I went up to my grandfather's house, I was grounded. The dirt, the trees, everything was grounding. When I was at home, I didn't want to be there. And I was very ungrounded. And I would, re I realized that after a while that this is what was happening to me. So I would go outside into our own garden when I felt like I was wanted to go away. And I'd stick my feet deep far as I could into the dirt. And I would just feel those dirt running through my toes and everything else. And I'd say to myself, this is what I need. I need this power. I need this to be feel grounded here. And I did. And I think that was one of the biggest reasons why I made it through school is because at recess time, I'd go ground myself once I realized that's what I needed to do. I didn't know it was called grounding at the time. Of course, nobody really did. I just, they, they thought I was weird by taking my shoes and socks off behind the schoolhouse and digging my feet into the grass and, and everything else and just sitting there. No, I wasn't the part that participated in the basketball or the crack the whip or whatever we would play out in the, on the playground then. I, I kind of was off to my own. But yet, I wasn't. I felt I was always with somebody. Yeah, I was kind of a loner, I guess, in a way. Yes, I, I did a lot of things as a child that probably shouldn't have. But I never intentionally hurt anybody or anyone. I had love for everything and all living things. I think when I found Reiki, that was one of the biggest things is that because one of the principles is, is the principle was of to love all living things. And that's what I already did. I did love all living things. You know? All living souls. Not people. I I still to this day have an issue with people. <laughs> but I love the soul. I love everything about people's souls and that. It's just the human aspect of things. And that because human can hide things. And I think that goes back to when I first started here in my family that hides everything. Everything's a secret. You cannot look bad at your to your neighbors or anything else than that but you have no idea what you're doing to yourself by trying to hide things all the time 
You're hurting yourself worse than you ever have. You're hurting other people worse than they ever have. And because can you imagine your best friend's dying of cancer, dying of something, and you want to keep it a secret and not tell anybody, oh, I'm dying, you know? There's no prayers. There's no help. There's no helping that person in any which way, shape, or form that. Now, if you tell, if I tell you, okay, I've, I've found out that I have cancer. This is what I need to do, blah, 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 and that. Please send prayers. That's me. I would tell you. I tell you everything. I tell everybody everything. I'm sad. I'm happy. I'm whatever else than that. And nobody has any guesswork of who I am or what I do. But most of my life, people have always made things up. Ever since I was a little kid, people would make things up and I would get blamed for things I would never do. And one of the biggest reasons why I got blamed for things that I never had any concept or any idea I did was because I never fought back. I never got angry at anybody for their stories or anything else because that was their issue, not mine. I've always believed that everybody has their own journey. And that was their journey. I believe that as a little kid. I believe that now. I believe that you can blame me all, all you want. I know the truth. Why should that bother me? And it's really interesting, this funeral, that I sat around my family members listening to stories and hearing them tell stories about me, about what I did as a kid and everything else. And, that, and I would laugh at them. And they're like, well, that was kind of rude that you did that. I was like, no, I never did. But you, it's your story. Keep going. You know, I never condoned, condoned anybody for their stories. And then I just keep going. And the thing is, is that people don't realize is that I really have self-care for myself. I really do. I believe in who I am and I believe in who I am truly. So when someone tells a story in that, I know the truth. Nobody else needs to know the truth. But I do. I don't need to correct anybody and what's wrong with this or anything else that because I know the truth. I also know that it, I will never hang out with that person. I also know that I will never go out of my way to be there for that person. I know that I'm never there, not going to be part of my life in that aspect. And that's my self worth. If somebody does me wrong in that way, it's not right to get mad at him it's not right to say he stand up and say this is wrong you're the horrible person blah 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 you can't do that it will hurt you more than ever instead you walk away they're going to miss out on a pretty wonderful human being they're going to miss out on this person that has grown and loves and cares and everything else than that by sharing stories that aren't true by being rude or mean. When we do this and we walk away and we just cut the cords from everybody that we feel don't deserve our love. We don't have to say it. We don't have to announce anything. We're not an airport. We don't have to announce our departure. We just leave. And we're not part of that anymore. This is what my mother was telling me when she says, be strong. This is what my mother has said to me many times about being strong for who I am and what I do and everything else that I am a strong human being. I love so much. I care so much for people. 
I do whatever I can do to help people out. I learn every day. I learn something new every day. Every client that I work with and help with, healing with, I learn from them. I learn from my students and the teachings that I teach every weekend. I learn by listening. I learn by observing. I learn by just being. You know, this world is a wonderful world in many different ways. It just depends on how you see things. And if you see it as a wonderful world, it will be a wonderful world. If you see it as a horrible world, it's going to be a horrible world. But you know what? It's all right. That's your journey, not mine. I don't need to share what, how my world is. I don't need to share with, with you that life is horrible. I don't have any backstories to even share with you. All I have is my love to share with you. And if you want to share something, that is what you should share is love. That's the end of my story for today. You are loved and I am blessed. I'm here at the Reiki Academy in Phoenix, Arizona. If you guys ever want to get a hold of me or have a session with me, I mean, I do sessions all over the world and that um, you can call me at 480-480-788-9580 or you can actually just go to reikirod.com and you can leave a message there i also have scheduling on there and just be yourself not expensive kind of fun we can learn together that is for sure remember you are loved and i am blessed have an amazing day. Bye, everybody.